Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Self Love Tarot, a podcast about enriching our lives through practical spirituality, self love, and the tarot. I'm your host, Gretchen Evangelista. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Self Love Tarot. Thanks for tuning into the show today. I am so ready for this episode and I apologize if this episode is coming out late. I was just putting a lot of thought and effort into this episode in particular because I feel like the tower is something that is so important and I wanted to make sure I covered this card in the best way that I could. And so you know, this year has been just full of tower moments, filled to the brim with tower moments. And the truth is, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, it's jolting, it makes us question everything. We can feel lost and heartbroken and crushed and massively disappointed with life. And, you know, sometimes after too many tower moments, we might not have the heart to get back up. And so today I wanted to start off with just sharing with you an experience that I had as a floor nurse when I worked with hospice patients. And I noticed a couple things that terrified me right off the bat. I noticed there were certain patients who were just extremely miserable. Their health was deteriorating and they didn't have very good relationships with their family. No one was visiting them. And I was just thinking, like, what would have happened if they had had a huge tower moment before this, before they were on their deathbed? And, of course, that is just my initial judgment of that situation and of that person. There could have been a lot that had happened that I don't know or I don't understand. But... It's valuable to be exposed to situations like this so you can realize fairly effortlessly what you do want and how you want possibly your last moments of your life to be like. And one of the things that I realized upon just reflecting on that experience is that I want to have tower moments no matter how painful and uncomfortable they are. I want to have a tower moment, especially early on so that I can learn faster and I can adapt quicker before anything more serious can develop, right? I am willing to make the huge mistakes right now so I can learn from my experiences and grow through my experiences and I can adjust the course along the way. And we can easily put this in perspective in terms of your health. Let's say there is this possibility of a scary health diagnosis and then all of a sudden you change your ways. You change every single thing you're doing. You're changing the way you eat. You're changing your entire lifestyle. Now, if that health diagnosis or just the potential of that health diagnosis never happened, would you have ever had that strong desire and drive to make all those changes and make them so fast as if your life depended on it? One of the stories that is the best example of this is of Travis Barker. And I'm a huge Blink fan, a huge Travis Barker fan. And he was the reason why I learned how to play the drums in high school. He's such an amazing drummer. 
And I remember back then on MTV when they had a crap ton of those um, low quality <laughs> reality shows, there was Meet the Barkers, which is a reality show with him and his then wife. And it was so easy to see that he was definitely living the rock star life. The partying, the drinking, the drugs, all of that stuff. And what was interesting was, I think this happened about several years ago now, um, but Travis Barker got into a huge plane crash that pretty much killed everyone else except for him. His assistant died, his friend died, his bodyguard died, the pilot died. And after that, he had basically overhauled his entire life. He quit drinking, he quit smoking, he quit doing drugs, he started to run and exercise, and he became a diehard vegan. And he basically had to relearn how to do everything in his life as a sober person. How to drum and perform at shows sober. And I can imagine how difficult that change was. But... I can also imagine how much of a simple decision it was to make those changes because of that intense tower experience. And I was reading an interview that he did in 2019 and he said, I'm struck that it's really sad that it took all of that for me to open my eyes. But some people need a swift kick to the face and I was one of them. And unfortunately, many people aren't able to see until it's too late. You see a lot of this with musicians and artists and actors. And unfortunately, you know, the ones that die from an overdose. And in the interview, he said that the crash had been a blessing and that it had allowed him to change his entire life for the better. And he had to give meaning to that tragic event, saying that there must have been some crazy reason why he's still alive today. And you know, that is the perfect tower moment, right? The tower moment that we were all familiar with as that swift kick in the face <laughs> where you don't see it coming at all. And that, my friend, that is life. There will always be surprise tower moments and we will have to believe in our own resilience in handling those experiences. And when I think of that, my brain automatically goes to, okay, but what about purposeful tower moments? What about the tower moments that we create for ourselves to facilitate greater and bigger change before something, you know, huge and unexpected happens like that? And I think that is where the magic is. When we don't wait for the tower moment to happen to us, we beat it to the finish line and say, hell yeah, come at me, brah. <laughs> and that is what we will be talking about today. We will be asking ourselves the question, how can we make big changes in our lives and navigate the fear 
and resistance around those changes? How can we get ourselves to clean up our diets now, let's say, before we get diagnosed with something later on in life? How can we get ourselves to go after our dreams now so that we aren't lying on our deathbed with regrets about what could have been? Regardless of what age you are, regardless of how much experience you have in life, I genuinely believe everyone is capable of creating purposeful tower moments and changing the course of their lives in an instant. Tower moments often arise when we've been in a rut or things have stayed stagnant for too long or we've been attached to a certain kind of comfort. And when we get like this, we just need to be shaken up like a snow globe that needs to be shaken up. We need to be disrupted, disturbed, riled up in any way just to get us to realize what is truly important to us. And recently, I've been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of introspection, and something that I realized that was super important to me is that I lived a life of impossibilities. As in, I want to dedicate my life to doing things I've never seen myself do before, in creating results for myself I could only dream of, and basically blowing my own damn mind in terms of who I can be and what I can create with the time I have on this planet. And I don't think I'm alone in this. There is a tremendous amount of fulfillment in just that, in tapping into your own potential. But in order to do that for ourselves, the thing that needs to be shaken awake and deconstructed is our fear of dreaming big. In order to create purposeful tower moments for ourselves, we must talk about the fear of dreaming. For me personally, I dream big and I fall hard. It's really easy for me to get excited about something and it's also really easy for me to be massively disappointed about something. And that's how I've always been. And I also think that's why many people are too scared to dream or they're too scared to even entertain a possibility like that, like going after a wildly inspiring vision they have. Because the fear of failure and disappointment is too high that they think it's not worth it. And when you think like that, it becomes incredibly painful to dream. It becomes incredibly painful to desire things that are huge and just outside of your norm because you won't even give yourself a chance to believe it. And that's why people fall into ruts. That's why people wake up unhappy and, you know, have no motivation or drive to change anything in their lives because they're not allowing themselves to believe in the possibility of it because in believing in the possibility that they can achieve it, it'll make them vulnerable to the massive disappointments that that can set them up for. So in order to wake the dreamer within us, we must be willing to feel the pain of going after our dreams. And we need to give our disappointments, our failures, our pain more meaning. We must find the truth within them even if we have to dig deep. One of the things you can ask yourself is, what makes our disappointments meaningful? What makes failure meaningful to me? 
And notice the way that question is phrased. It's already implying that they are already meaningful. So your brain has to just think of it that way. And your brain has to at least pretend that there are gifts within the pain and the discomfort. And this is kind of how I like to think of it. If you fall hard, that means you have dreamt big. And that is something to be proud of at the end of the day. To take pride in dreaming when most of the world is too scared to. Many of us are too scared to believe in the impossible. But look at the most influential inventors over the last hundreds of years. <laughs> you have the telephone, you have Wi-Fi, you have the internet, all this stuff. Like imagine talking to someone in the early 1900s and saying to them, yeah, I can video chat with my grandma all the way in this little town in the Philippines and it's super affordable and it requires no wires and I can do it in an instant, no problem. Imagine telling someone that. That is just virtually, that's like on a different dimension, different planet. I don't think anyone could have ever anticipated us living in a world that we can do that. But we can. So take pride in dreaming big. I don't have children, but when I do have them someday, I want to be the one who is proud of them for dreaming big who encourages them to think outside the box, to think in ways that the masses never do, and to believe in the impossibilities. And sure, they'll have plenty of heartbreak and failures and disappointments, but I think that's valuable and that teaches us how to take care of ourselves. It teaches us how to love ourselves, how to be compassionate towards ourselves when we get into that place. And ultimately, it teaches us resilience and persistence and the value of things not working out the way we plan it and how to move forward from that when our highest plans are crushed. How do we move forward through that? And that is such a valuable and useful skill to have. We have to be willing to have our hearts broken into a million pieces and crushed. To have a five of cups moment or a three of swords moment, we have to be willing to be massively disappointed with ourselves, with our dreams, with what we believe in. And when that happens, it doesn't make any of it less powerful or less worthwhile. It only strengthens our self-worth. It allows us to tap into that greater self-love that says your dreams are important. So important that the pain and discomfort is worth it. It's the ultimate testament to yourself and how much you value yourself. To say at the end of the day, you know, I would rather go through this temporary pain and discomfort associated with this change and take a chance on myself than to kill the seed before it even has a chance to sprout. So let's say you're allowing yourself to dream big. Let's say you are a dreamer naturally. How can you embrace the tower energy to evoke that big shift so that you can start to take action towards that? And you know, like any tower moment, there needs to be a huge catalyst for change because the truth is we can sit here and dream big and have all these visions for ourselves, but if we don't take action, we might end up staying where we are. 
And what's great about having a purposeful tower moment is that we don't have to wait until we are blindsided by an extreme tower moment. We can embrace the tower energy before it comes knocking on our doors or showing up in our readings. And we can embrace it every single day. And what that means is simply navigating our resistance to change, navigating the fear and the discomfort associated with making those changes that will progress us forward in our lives. And so I want to talk about handling the two biggest obstacles that we all face when we are trying to make those massive changes. And the first obstacle is a limiting belief that you have around your capacity to make changes. So it's believing the thought that says, I can't possibly make this change. And so right now, you have at the forefront of your brain all the reasons why changing is hard. And you can't truly change. You've tried before. And even if you could change, it'd be super painful to change. Right now, that is your dominant vibration and you are constantly recalling those thoughts. The truth is, your mind is constantly receiving thoughts and sifting through them every moment of your day. You have a gazillion thoughts a day and if you've ever meditated before, you know exactly what I mean. And in knowing this, that we do have a bazillion thoughts a day and these are the thoughts that we are choosing to focus on, It means there are other options and that we can start to search for new evidence. And so this is an example of how I like to see it. Imagine you live in Candyland and you have an infinite river of M&Ms. Oh my God, this is making me hungry. (laughs) You have an infinite river of M&Ms that is constantly streaming through And it's just pouring out all these M&Ms of all these different colors. And you, early on, decided you wanted to only have red M&Ms. So you learned to search for the red M&Ms in the river of M&Ms. And you've learned to gather only red M&Ms in your hands. So at any given point of the day, you look down and you see red M&Ms. And only red M&M's in your hands. And after a while, you get super effective at gathering red M&M's. That's all you can see. That's all you are searching for. And so you just learn to be in the reality of red M&M's. Can I say red M&M's again? (laughs) Saying that too much, but whatever. You learn to conclude that there are only red M&M's in the world. That is my reality. I live in a red M&M world because that's how it's always been. So let's say if you were my life coach, how would you guide me in finding, let's say, blue (laughs) M&Ms? First, you would have to believe that there are blue M&Ms, that they exist. And even though the only thing you have in your hands are red M&Ms, there are blue ones there. So number one, you have to believe in the impossible. That yes, there are blue M&Ms that exist. There are blue M&Ms that are out there. Secondly, you have to ask yourself to be willing to let go of the red M&Ms and start to see blue M&Ms. And you adjust your sight to find the color blue in the stream of M&Ms and that's how you find the blue M&Ms. 
wow, that was probably, <laughs> I don't think I've ever said M&Ms that much in my entire life, but we're going to go with it. <laughs> so in this beautifully laid out scenario, the red M&Ms represent evidence that you can't make the change. You failed before. I've tried to lose weight. I've tried to learn French. I have tried to start the habit of meditating, but I've always failed. I will always fail. It's impossible. I've never been able to do it before. That's the red M&M reality there. The blue M&M reality is deciding to see that there is evidence that this is possible, that I do have all the proper resources, the tools, the guidance I need to figure this shit out, and that I will be okay. And so we must start to believe for ourselves that this change is possible for us. We might not know how, we might not know the exact steps on how it will happen, but we must choose to believe that this change is within our capability. And that attempting at achieving this change is worthwhile. And in choosing to start looking for blue M&Ms, which is equivalent of you choosing to find evidence that suggests that making a change will be possible for you, new lights in your brain will start to appear. Maybe you'll recall that one time you learned a new language. Or maybe you'll recall that one time you learned um, how to dance or that one time you were determined not to fail a class so you worked day and night to study your ass off and you got an A. Or maybe that other time you thought you did horribly on an interview but you still ended up getting an offer for the job anyways. Your brain will start to recall those moments and that will help you kickstart your belief in yourself. And soon You'll have a handful of reasons, a handful of blue M&Ms <laughs> showing you why you can make the change and why it is possible for you. And those reasons will help you launch yourself into taking new action. And now here's obstacle number two. I know I should make this change, but I don't want to. It's that resistant to change mindset. <laughs> And the reason why you aren't changing certain behaviors that you intellectually know is not good for you is because there is more pain in the effort of changing than staying the same. So in order to catapult yourself into change, there needs to be an enormous amount of pain in staying the same than the pain the change will bring. For example, an easy one is putting your hand over an open fire right? There is an immense sensation of pain involved in keeping your hand over an open fire. And of course, that pain outweighs the slight effort that you'll need to exert by moving your hand. So it takes you less than a second for you to decide to move your hand out of the flame. And call it your human reflexes, but it's a good example to think about that we need to have a significant amount of pain to drive us in situations where we are stuck in a rut and we are not willing to change. Sometimes that's how we have to do it. <laughs> and, you know, we navigate this obstacle of not wanting to change or do something 
all the freaking time. Like when I wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., literally my first thought is F this, I want to sleep. I know I should wake up, but I don't want to. I just want to lay in bed. But the thought of having to rush out the door and be late for work and delay certain things for my coworkers because I overslept is more painful for me than the pain of getting out of my warm and cozy blanket and getting started with my day. So we all get ourselves to do things we don't want to do all the time. And it's time to start using those tactics we already use for ourselves in a more conscious and deliberate way that can help us in the long term. For example, diabetes runs high in my family. And, you know, some of my aunts and uncles are already on medication. And at work, we regularly do toe and foot amputations and even leg amputations for patients who have had uncontrolled diabetes. And now seeing that every day, seeing toes get cut off, seeing people having to depend on medicine every day for that stuff, that can create enough pain for me to do whatever it takes now to make sure I don't end up like that. And I'd rather change that now than to have to deal with all of that later on. And so this cannot go on any longer. And it could be in the form of your relationships. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship that you know deep down inside is not good for you. In that scenario, you will have to believe that leaving this toxic relationship will be worth it in the end. You have to believe that you are better without him. That, let's say, I can do life without him. That... Living a life with him will cause more pain to me than if I were to be single and by myself and feeling lonely. That scenario is better than staying stuck in this relationship. I remember when I was doing my pre-nursing courses in my early college days and I was bouncing back and forth between should I major in nursing? Should I not major in nursing? (laughs) Mersing. Should I not major in nursing? Should I do something else? Because nursing school was, in my mind, so difficult and so competitive. And I heard all these horror stories of these exams and these clinicals and blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to have a good old college time. I wanted it to be easy. (laughs) But then I remember I had the exact thought that said, well, if I don't do nursing and then I graduate with whatever degree I graduate with and one day I stumble upon a friend who had become a nurse, I would be extremely jealous and disappointed in myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to do something that I actually wanted to do. You know, that I wanted to take the easy route out. Sure, it came from a place of pride. But it was one of the most crucial thoughts that made me decide that I was going to double down and be serious in college and put myself through nursing school and be serious about my future. And the pain of being disappointed in myself in that way was big enough to motivate me to commit to becoming a nurse. And that's another thing too that I touched upon earlier, that our motivations don't have to be so glamorous and honorable and pretty. It can be from pain. Most often our greatest pains can be the biggest catalyst for change. And that is what embracing the tower is all about. When I recall my experiences with depression, I literally felt like I couldn't move. 
Like I just wanted to stay in bed and wallow and nothing seemed to help me feel better. So I stopped believing that I could do anything to get myself out of the state. And usually after a deep period of feeling depressed like that, I somehow come out of it and I resurface again and I start to feel better and more optimistic about life. But when I looked back at how that happened, how a shift like that had occurred, I recognized that it's because there was a single moment that had occurred where I reached my max capacity of pain for that moment. When, you know, in my head, I realized that there is more pain in not trying than there is in trying. There was more pain in lying in bed all day than there is in trying something new and doing new things, even if it doesn't seem like it'll work. And I remember I had practically forced myself to look in the mirror in the morning and say out loud, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I was willing to say that and go through all the negative, cynical thoughts that were also occurring simultaneously, saying that this is stupid, this won't work, this is so dumb. But at some point, I was like, you know what? Feeling stupid, feeling like a fool is better than feeling depressed and staying in bed all day. And that's how I managed to pick myself up again. Even when it seems like nothing can work, you have to believe that there is something out there that will. And from there, you can ask yourself, what are all the reasons why staying the same will create more pain for me? Another way to think about this is if I don't do this, if I don't make this change, what pain is waiting on the other side of this? For me, since diabetes runs high in my family, it's, you know, having to be on medication for your life or, you know, having to get a toe amputated. That is an enormous amount of pain that I would love to prevent right now. (laughs) So once we think of all the reasons why staying the same will create more pain for us right now and in the long term, we need to write those things down. I personally in the past have made bullet point lists and I've had it on Evernote or some sort of note app on my phone and I've read it every single day in the morning when I was drinking my coffee and it's just a nice daily reminder because you need to constantly remind yourself to look for the blue M&Ms and since you've been looking for red M&Ms for so long it has become a habit so you constantly need to remind yourself to look for the blue M&Ms to remind yourself of these ideas, of these pain points in the forefront of your brain. Study them as if you are going to be tested on them. Commit to believing them. Make a reminder on your phone that pops up in the morning that says like, look through your list, something like that. Make it a part of your morning ritual. And what this will do is it will help you know the mechanics of making big changes in your life. It'll help you adapt more. It'll help you build the skill of changing, which I believe can be a learned skill. To learn how to adapt from a conscious level instead of having to be forced to adapt or having to be forced to change. And lastly, the most important aspect of all of this 
is simply being willing to change. Setting the intention for yourself, saying, I'm willing to do things differently. I'm willing to see my life differently. I'm willing to act differently. I'm willing to live differently. That I want this change. I intend to create this change. I'm committed to making this change. And I believe I am capable of creating this change. Rely on the power of self-talk. I think I've talked about self-talk <laughs> before on this podcast, but it's so valuable, incredibly valuable. And just to recall, you know, how I got over my depression is just forcing yourself to look at yourself in the mirror and saying, I believe in you. I believe in what you can accomplish and I believe you are here to do great things. And what that does is it allows you to put your focus on where you want to be. Instead of focusing on how hard it is, how impossible it is, or how uncomfortable it may be. I love the tower because I want to be constantly changing. I want to be constantly evolving and progressing through life. I want to know that I am moving forward. And the tower is a catalyst for genuine personal and spiritual growth. And yes, after a tower moment, after a big fall, you are absolutely allowed to spend time on the ground. You are allowed to sulk and you are allowed to be depressed about it. It's perfectly fine it's perfectly normal but if you are a real dreamer which i know you are because you are listening to this podcast if you're a real dreamer eventually you'll be inspired to pick yourself back up again and do it all over again call it masochistic perhaps but i see it as life's greatest adventure in that you are not here to live a comfortable life. You were here to see what you are truly made of, to surpass what you thought was possible for yourself and for the world around you. This is what it means to live on the edge of life. It can be scary, but it's also extremely liberating. It's like the equivalent of skydiving or cliff diving. You get to experience a brand new perspective of looking at your world, something that's exhilarating, something that puts you in a state of total appreciation and awe. And at the same time, there is an element of fear. But deep down, you know in your heart that this is real living, that this is true freedom. True freedom is to allow yourself to dream, to believe in the impossibilities, and to believe that something much bigger can be achieved and experienced and known. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self Love Tarot. And if you haven't joined the email list, make sure to go to selflovetarot.com to add yourself to that. Um, and if you haven't followed the podcast on Instagram, check out the Instagram at self love tarot. I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your summer. We are going into fall and I'm so excited <laughs> and I will talk to you guys next time.